0: Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we began this worship today by singing together, open our eyes that we might see Jesus. God, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds that we would not be so locked into what we expect or don't expect that we miss what you are doing and that we fail to hear your voice. God, open our ears now as we continue to reflect upon your word that your spirit may take root in our lives and transform our vision, our life, our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, with phrases like, the word of God was rare in those days, from the first lesson, and uh, Nathaniel's uh, question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Today's lessons invite us to recognize a place a part of our life and our world where it is difficult to recognize God's presence with us. And certainly this past year, truthfully, even in this new year, uh, that feeling of abandonment, of being on our own, that that, uh, awareness that uh, or unawareness of where God's presence is with us in this time and this space has become all too familiar a feeling for many of us. Um, right now, uh, my favorite commercials on TV are the ones uh, that pair Satan with uh, twenty the 2020 girl for Match.com. Have you seen these? right? The match made in hell. Um, But uh, uh, we can definitely relate as we think about the state of the world and how this uh, has wreaked havoc in our life. Um, But that being said, the difficulty of a hellacious year does not equate to the absence of our amazing, generous, and merciful Lord. God meets us even in the chaos that has been created, even in the hurt that we feel, even in the mess that is our world and life all too often. God comes to us in places that we never expect. It's Precisely this that, that happens in the story of Nathanael being called to follow Jesus in the gospel today. Philip, his friend, has come to him after being called to fo- by Jesus to follow him. Philip goes to Nathanael and invites him, too, to follow Jesus, wondering if he could be the Messiah. Nathaniel immediately responds by pointing out that Jesus comes from Nazareth and that, that Nazareth is no place for a Messiah. Sorry, I lost my place here. Um, just about that time, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and begins to talk to Nathanael. Here is truly an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. That always seemed like a really strange line to me. Every year, when this, uh, every three years when we would get this passage, um, Jesus starts by saying, um, Here is truly an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. And most years, um, I confess that I just heard that as Jesus adopting my level of sarcasm. Right, um, and then I would just continue on with that, so that when San, when Nathaniel responded to Jesus' comment, "Here is truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit." Nathaniel just proudly puts out his chest and says, oh, where did you get to know me, right? And it's this whole sarcastic exchange. And I can still hear it that way. But this year, I was challenged by that to, in our text study and, and in other places. Uh, it just it sounded different. And this year, I'm not sure I hear it as sarcasm. I instead hear Jesus' uh, invitation, His his initial response, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, as Jesus' way of recognizing Nathanael's willingness to say out loud what he feels inside. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's how Nathanael feels. That's what he really thinks. And Jesus doesn't have a problem with it. He simply says, here's truly an Israelite who's willing to say what he believes. That's a good thing, according to Jesus. The reality is, we all have a Nazareth, don't we? Many of us have more than one Nazareth. What do I mean by that? A, 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 your Nazareth is that place, that uh, time, that experience, that, uh, that part of your life where you're pretty certain nothing good and nothing of God ever comes from there. <laughs> you know what your Nazareth is, right? Right? Whenever it comes up, whenever you have to go do that thing again or show up in that place again, you're always on the lookout. You're, you're not on the lookout for God to be there. You're on the lookout for your escape route. How do I get out of this place? How do I get away from it? And the last thing you would ever expect is that God would come to you th- from that place, right? Right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel says? We all have a Nazareth. One of my... uh I wrestle with this all the time because from the time I grew up in the church and in my family, we were always taught to be uh, looking. There's there's good in everything. There's good in everyone, and so look for the good, look for where it is. And and I always have this feeling that if I can't see it, it's probably because I'm just not looking hard enough or long enough. Um, that if I somehow uh, can can uh, wrap my brain around it a little better, I'll find. that uh, silver lining that gold nugget in the uh, in in whatever experience it is but the truth of it is that there are many experiences in my life there's many places there's many times uh, moments when I really just feel like Nathaniel can anything good come from this and my overwhelming emotional response is no Absolutely not. That's the way I feel. I can try to convince myself I feel otherwise, but oftentimes that's exactly how I am. Jesus does not have a problem with that. If you find yourself in that place today, I want you to listen very carefully. Jesus is not bothered by your inability to see anything good in your Nazareth. Jesus also sees your authentic and real hurt. Disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement. Jesus knows it's there. Jesus understands your lack of hope. He understood Nathanael's. It didn't prevent him from calling Nathanael to follow him and it won't prevent him from calling you. Jesus is comfortable with you being honest and real about where you are and what you see or don't see happening. Please understand that Jesus doesn't try to convince Nathanael that Nazareth is a suitable place for the Messiah to come from, right? He never bothers with that at all. Instead, Jesus invites Nathanael to look at him rather than to focus on the place where he is found. The moment that he shows up. He does this by showing Nathanael that he sees him. His first words here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, are met with, I think, a little skepticism, a little question or doubt. Where did you get to know me? Nathaniel says. Jesus' second words to Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Well, the fig tree has always been a Uh, image in scripture for Israel and for their standing with God. How are they responding? Are they producing fruit? Are they not? Um, Where are you in in your relationship with God? But I think even on a more personal level, this has deep personal meaning for Nathaniel in this moment. We have no idea what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, what he was thinking about, is a common place at that time for people to, to uh, sit down to find some shade in a comfortable spot to uh, be by themselves with their thoughts, to think through uh, what is going on in their life and in the world. And whatever was going on in Nathaniel's mind at that time when he was under the fig tree, it must have been reasonably important to Nathanael. So that when Jesus sees him and says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you, there's there's recognition. He's already told him, I appreciate your honesty. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. After that, Nathanael has this outburst of faithful response, right? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. A similar thing happens in other places in, in, in the scripture, in the gospel stories. A similar thing happens to Zacchaeus. You know the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus is walking along, he looks up in the tree, he sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus doesn't expect anyone to see him. But when Jesus sees him and invites himself to come and eat with Zacchaeus, it changes Zacchaeus' life. At the end of the same Gospel we're in today, the Gospel of John, Thomas will express doubt in his question, um, his wonder about whether it's really Jesus who has been raised. He will talk about the need to see the nail prints and and the wound in his side. And Jesus will honor that question by showing up and seeing Thomas. When Jesus shows Thomas those scars, Thomas says almost the same thing that Nathaniel says here in John's Gospel. Thomas' response is, "My Lord and my God." Nathaniel's response, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God." But even more similar is Jesus' response to both of their statements of faith. In both cases, Jesus responds by saying, Do you believe because I saw you under the fig tree? You've seen the scars? There's more to see. There's more to see. It's not about the scars or the fig tree, it's not about Nazareth, it's not about our history. It's not about where we've been or our expectations. There's more to see. It is about Jesus' willingness to show up in all of those places at any moment. And to call us not to be caught up in the moment, but to be caught up in him. Our gospel reading ends with this statement by Jesus to Nathanael. Did you believe, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, you'll see greater things than these. You will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That phrase is a clear reference to another story in the scripture. It's a clear reference back to Jacob and his vision of a ladder that stretched From heaven to earth, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Simple reading of Jesus' words today in John's gospel might lead us to believe that Jesus sees himself as the ladder, the connection between heaven and earth. But it's actually more than that when you understand the, uh, the Jewish and the Hebrew uh, uh, word for Jacob's vision doesn't focus on the latter. It focuses on Jacob, who will, whose name is changed, of course, to Israel. Right? He is their forefather. He is the one who makes them the nation that they are. And the text with with Jacob's vision talks about the angels ascending and descending upon him. Not upon the ladder, but upon him. In the same way Jesus borrows that language, that imagery, you will see that... The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, which is the title that Jesus uses almost exclusively for himself throughout John's Gospel. The implication is that Jesus is the new Israel. He's their new birth. He's the one who gives life and meaning and... uh, and purpose to who they are he's the new temple the meeting of heaven God's reign and earth human dominion is found not in a ladder not in any experience not in any place that we might go to or not go to it's found in Jesus the son of man It's not by looking back to Jacob or Israel, to Nazareth, or to a significant insight that we had under a fig tree. Jesus meets us in our life, in our moments, in our Nazareth places of worthlessness. Jesus still shows up and Jesus meets us in our quiet personal epiphanies under the fig trees of our own lives. It's not the places themselves that matter. It's that Jesus meets us in them. It's not the walls of a building that matter, but that Jesus shows up where we are. It's not the events on our calendar that matter, but that Jesus will be part of each and every one. Which brings us back to our expectations. When we see Jesus... Our expectations, our perceptions, our lives are changed. And we're called to look past what we expect or don't expect, to open ourselves up to what only God could do, to look for where God will show up in our days, in our lives. In our communities, in our families, in our churches, in everything. Brothers and sisters, let us look, let us look for Jesus wherever we are. And when we see and hear him, may we be willing to join Samuel in saying, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Amen.